You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Welcome to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast. Today is episode 55, and we have a very special guest interview. But before we get into that, just wanted to remind all of our listeners, this marks a year of the show. In fact, this week. So I just want to thank you all for the journey that we've gone on together and interviewing these millionaires and telling their stories and learning more about how they invest and kind of what their mindset is. We've got several exciting guest interviews in the future. Previously mentioned, we've got Robert Kiyosaki coming up, Jamie Masters from The Eventual Millionaire, Sarah Falah from The Next Millionaire Next Door, and Chris Hogan, who actually has a new book that he'll be releasing in 2019 called Everyday Millionaires, and they have conducted the largest study of millionaires to date, over 10,000. So that'll be really interesting and, and exciting uh, to discuss. Next week's Millionaire is with Jake, and his net worth is $3.3 million. He's in his early 40s, and he and his wife work in healthcare. And one thing that's pretty unique about Jake is he and his wife have four children. I've heard from many of our listeners that how do these people do it if they've got more than one or two or three children? Well, Jake will tell you, and he's got four kids, and how he's gone on his journey to become a millionaire with several kids. Because as we all know, to have kids and children, it is expensive. We also have various investment opportunities in real estate for those interested for accredited investors. Uh, Those opportunities are primarily in the Northeast and the South. If you're interested, send us an email at millionairesunveiled at gmail.com, and we'll get on the phone and have a a discussion and and move on from there. Also, if you'd like to be on the show, send us an email at millionairesunveiled.com, and we can get a time scheduled to to get an interview. So on today's show, we we have Tom Wilwright. So obviously an exciting interview and, and happy to have him on. And because we had limited time with him for the call, We didn't have him do an introduction himself. And so if you're not familiar with Tom and who he is and kind of what he's done, we just want to provide a a quick background on who he is. So Tom Wilright is current CEO of WealthAbility, and he's probably most known for being the tax advisor to Robert Kiyosaki. He's a leading tax and wealth expert and known for making taxes fun, easy, and understandable. He specializes in helping entrepreneurs and investors build wealth and finding strategic ways to reduce taxes. And you can find him all over on several media outlets, including the Wall Street Journal, Fox News, the Washington Post, ABC News Radio, and and many others. He also uh, has recently released a book called Tax-Free Wealth, How to Build Massive Wealth by Permanently Lowering Your Taxes. So on the episode with him, we talk about tax strategies to build wealth issues and topics that stand out with these new tax laws and also some business structures. So a super interesting interview with Tom and, and also excited for these upcoming interviews, both guest and millionaire, and and excited about everything coming up with the show. So without further ado, let's get into today's guest interview with Tom Wilwright. Tom, let's just dive into uh, critical tax decisions to be made before year end. We'd love to hear your advice on that. No, I appreciate that. So uh, I've used with the new law, we've got new things coming up. And, uh, of course, the, the thing I think that's the most interesting one, the new law, is if you're thinking about getting a divorce, right, that uh, you got to think about, do we, close, do we finalize the divorce before the end of the year? Because if we don't, alimony is not deductible to the person paying it, and it's not 
taxable to the person receiving it. So I think that's actually one of the most interesting personal decisions ever to have to be made before end of the year in a tax law. But it is it is a big deal if you're paying alimony, as some of us know. And uh, <clears throat> so I, I think that's a, that, that's a big one. You know, I think in, uh, for uh, business owners, they certainly have to decide what type of uh, an entity they're going to be. Are they going to continue to be a pass-through entity like an S-corporation or partnership, sole proprietorship? Or are they going to go and be a C-corporation, you know, where they get the 21% tax bracket? Then they have to look at that 20% deduction. If, um, you know, do they qualify for the 20% deduction for the pass-through businesses? And if they, if they don't qualify, is there a way for them to reduce their income so they do qualify their taxable income? Um, let's say they don't qualify because they're a specified service trader business, something like a doctor, lawyer, or, you know, us, accountants. Or, you know, maybe, maybe they don't qualify because they haven't paid enough wages. But whatever it is, I mean, this is a big, big deduction, 20% off of your net income from your business. And so I, I think that really sitting down with uh, a good accountant and uh, going and actually, you know, walking through what you need to do to maximize that deduction could be huge for people. Tom, just as a follow-up to that, in, in terms of individuals and businesses, how far should they be planning these, these tax decisions? Are, you know, are we going to expect a change in this tax law in five years from now, ten years from now, if, if the, you know, the Democrats take control or the Republicans take control? Or what, what's kind of the time frame that, that our listeners should be looking at when they make these decisions? That's a great question. And that's a, that's a question that obviously clients, uh, ask me all the time. And I think for like the decision about what type of an entity I should own, should I be a, a C corporation versus an S corporation? Man, I think you've got a plan that, you know, that you want to, for example, if you convert from an S corporation to a C corporation, you have to be a, a C corporation for five years before you can convert back. So your question makes a lot of sense. So what happens if um, four years from now, you know, two and a half years from now, right? Two and a half years from now, we get a new tax law. Um, the only thing I would say is that while, while some small provisions would very likely change under a new administration, we routinely, we don't see major tax changes except every 30 years, right? I mean, the 1954 Act, well, it was the 39 Act, then the 54 Act, then the 80, 86 Act, and now the 2017 Act. I personally think you're probably safe for four or five years with the major provisions. I think that uh, certainly with the Democrats, they would, they would look very hard, hard at um, increasing the corporate income tax. But the tough time they're going to have is, is they're going to have a huge lobbying effort against that. And I think uh, they'll, they'll underestimate, just like the Republicans underestimated, how hard it was to get rid of Obamacare. I think that's great advice. So a lot of our listeners are invested in real estate, whether they own it or they're invested in syndications or, or some other mean. Now, there's been a big change with the bonus depreciation. And, and I heard you talk about kind of this cost segregation study and, and a, a difference in how much depreciation they can take on their real estate properties. Talk about the change uh, in the tax law for that piece. Oh, my heavens. We, we, I mean, it, it can't be too surprising given who, you know, the profession of our, of our president. Um, but the, you know, where 1986, I was in Washington D.C. during the 86 Act when when we had the last big change, and real estate got hammered, 
right in 1986, which we ended up with, uh, you know, the whole savings and loan tobacco out of that. But now what we got was the opposite. So what we've got is historically in most countries, by the way, you don't even get depreciation on a used building at all. Most countries, it's only on a new building. Now what we have is not only do we have depreciation on used buildings, we have bonus depreciation on used buildings, which what that means is that, you know, when you buy a property, typically you're buying basically four categories. You're buying land, you're buying building, you're buying the contents of the building, and you're buying the land improvements. Well, typically, in, most, in, a, in a typical building, whether it's a commercial building or multifamily, residential, you're typically looking at the land improvements and the contents. My experience is a good 30%, 20 to 30% or more is going to be in those two categories, and those get bonus depreciation, which means literally you could buy a million-dollar building, put $200,000 down because the bank's lending you $800,000. You put $200,000 down, and you get a $300,000 deduction the first year. That's, that's what a big deduction that is. Wow. Tom, what are some of the, the pitfalls or some of the misses that might come for either individuals or business with this new tax law? You know, I actually think the biggest one, because it's the one that I never hear about, I never hear about, and that's for businesses that have inventory. So what the, what the new tax law did was they said that if you have, if you're a small business, and they, they calculate a small business as you have less than $25 million in revenue. So that's most businesses, right? Most retail businesses would have less than $25 million in gross revenue. If you do, uh, then you, can, you don't have to keep track of inventory anymore. You can deduct your inventory up to $2,500 per line item. That's the effect of how the law was written. So let's take a pharmacy, independent pharmacy, not Walgreens, but an independent pharmacy, right? Your neighborhood pharmacy. And you say they've got, let's say they had $300,000 of inventory on their books at the end of 2017. Well, in 2018, if they elect to change their accounting method, they're effectively going to get an additional $300,000 deduction in 2018. That's something I think a lot of people are going to miss because I don't hear anybody talking about it when accountants, accountants keep telling me you can't do that and I have to walk them through how the law works before they understand that that's the effect of this change in the law. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I haven't heard anybody talking about that either. What, what about on the automobiles? What are some of the ways that, that people can <laughs> maximize the automobile deductions? So there's another, there's another big one. I, I, well, of course, you know, I think Michigan put him over, right? It was Michigan that, that uh, kind of was, was one of the states that Swing won states. for uh, – for one, one, of the, one of the blue states that turned red, right? Yeah. And um, Detroit was rewarded. So basically what we have now is if you're a business owner or a professional real estate investor, same, same thing, you buy an SUV or a truck that weighs more than 6,000 pounds. Now, the way everybody, if you want to know how much a vehicle weighs, you open up your driver's side door and you look on it and it says how much it weighs. And I guarantee if it's a full-size SUV, because I bought one, and my full-size SUV is 6,004 pounds. I don't think that was an accident. Because if it's over 6,000 pounds and you use it 100% for business, you get to deduct the entire cost of the vehicle the year you buy it as bonus depreciation 
Okay. It's not 179 deductions. So you don't have that $25,000 funky $25,000 limit. It's a bonus depreciation. So you go out and buy the 80,000 car. You put no money down. You get an $80,000 deduction. Let's say you only use an 80%. Okay. Now you get a $64,000 deduction, but it's in a huge, huge tax benefit. And if you add that to what a lot of accounts don't like, which is the home office deduction, but which has the effect of supercharging your car deduction, then you can literally, somebody who typically has been taking 50% of their car might now get 80, 90, 100% because if you have a home office, you no longer have a commute. So you no longer have a non-deductible commute when you have a home office. So you just have to go to your home office in the morning, come to the home office, come back to the home office in the evening, and all that business travel during the day is going to be fully deductible. So now you've raised your percentage of your business use of your car, and now if you went out and bought that SUV or that truck, or even a even a passenger car, you know, get some bonus depreciation and gets and and the the regular depreciation's gone up. So like first year now is like eighteen thousand dollars for a passenger car, a deduction. And so if you've got that again, you have a home office, you no longer have a commute, and so you can you can, a lot of people should be getting a big car deduction this year. So someone's listening to this interview and thinking, okay, you know, divorce, real estate, cars, how in the world do I learn all this? What do you say? Is, is, do they put this in the hands of their CPA, their tax advisor? Should they be learning this on their own? I mean, wh- where do they go about trying to learn these things and figure this out for their own stuff? Well, funny you should ask. I would suggest there's a very popular book out there called Tax Free Wealth, which is my book. And um, <laughs> we, <laughs> I just, so thank you for that softball. And I just put, um, just did a second edition. It's now on Amazon. It's in all bookstores. And the second edition includes two things. One, it's the reason it's the second edition is because it's updated for the new tax law. And second of all, I put in an ebook. Um, you can go in, in the book. You can click, you, you can, um, there's a URL where you can click on and you can get a free ebook. And the ebook goes through the top 10 ways to reduce your taxes from the Trump tax reform. So, I think you need financial education. I think you need actually to to get something that is readable. Tax free wealth is pretty easy to read if you're not a tax person, right? Tax people can read it, no problem. But I think the non-tax people, that's who it was written for. I wrote it for the non-tax people. And it's always been a bestseller. So clearly somebody's reading it out there. At least somebody's buying it. I don't know if anybody's reading, but somebody's buying it. <laughs> and but I, I think that's what you do. I, you don't have to learn all the details, but I do think you have to learn the basic concept of, of tax and, and really understand that the tax law is really a series of incentives that, you know, there's a lot of incentives. And we just talked about real estate incentives, retail incentives. We just, you know, talked about buying a car incentive. I mean, there's all sorts of incentives in the tax law and understanding how the tax law works is what then you can sit down with your tax advisor. Then you can sit down with somebody who, who should know the details, but maybe they can't explain them too well. So, you know, some of us who, you know, make a living at explaining the tax law, you know, happy to explain it and then sit down with the tax advisor to see how does it actually apply in your situation. Awesome. So again, that, that book is called Tax-Free Wealth, How to Build Massive Wealth by Permanently Lowering Your Taxes. And that's by Tom Wilwright. Tom, thanks for making the time for being on. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. 
Thanks for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mantinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.